do you have life because of that? If you've turned your heart and your mind toward him and you've given him the kingship that he deserves in your life, you have that grace and that love. And that's why we celebrate together. Now, as a community, it's good to get to know each other. And I know that we're in this season of physical distancing. And so sometimes we don't want to turn and talk to the people around us. So I'm not going to make you do that. But I do have a question of the day. And uh, it's a one, two, three, four, four answers. So you can just give a one, two, three, or four to your neighbor. You don't have to talk to him. But here's the question of the day is, which would you choose out of these four? In hunger, this is a serious question. Some of you are like, whoa, we're going to start with that today. We are. We're going to start with this. So in hunger, food insecurity, provide clean drinking water uh, to the world, eradicate homelessness, provide a strong education for all children. So one, two, three, four. Now I'm going to let you think about it just for a second. So don't answer yet. And online, you can just answer in that chat bar that's to your right, my left, and let us know which one you would choose. So go ahead and look as you're, as you're being seated. Look at the person next to you. Give them a one, two, three, or four. Choose one of them. You got it? And then you can go ahead and grab a seat when you're done. I'm looking around. I'm catching some. Yeah, there's no five. There's no all of the above. If you don't choose one, you don't get any of them. So if that's what you're choosing. Okay, got it? Got it? Go ahead and grab a seat when you're done. Hey, um, like I said, my name's Matt, and it's so good. Uh, for those of you in the room, it's so good to have you in the room. I, I love being back together. The church is a community, and there is nothing like in-person gatherings. Uh, I'm so thankful for technology. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was telling a friend this week, you know, my, I, I grew up in a, in a church, and my dad was a pastor, and if this would have happened when I was a kid, the, the pandemic, uh, that church would have fallen apart because it's so difficult. Uh, it would have been in those days without technology. So I'm so thankful for the technology that keeps us together. I'm so thankful that those of you who are at home today are able to stream or you're on the road. Some of you are on the beach I'll just think about that for a minute. Um, some of you are in the mountains where it's a little bit cooler, and I just want you to know that the high is 91 in the valley today. Can I get a yes? So if you've got nothing else to celebrate, that's one of the things to celebrate, right? The temperature coming down. It's just going to tease us for a little bit before it goes back up, but I'll take it. Won't you take it just for a few days? So it's going to be awesome. Uh, we've been talking uh, in, this, in, in, in this series, it's called The Fellowship of Difference and Difference. We've been talking about how the church was intended to be a, a fellowship, a community of, of many different people. And the earliest church really sprung up in Jerusalem after Jesus was, was crucified and resurrected. The earliest church, if you go back and read the stories in Acts, uh, it, it sprung up from people and I think when we looked at Acts, there were probably 14 different languages represented in that first church. So it began as, a, as this little Jewish kind of out movement uh, from the, the original Jewish thought with Jesus, the rabbi, the king. And then all of a sudden, it, it exploded with this, this difference uh, of, of people from many different backgrounds. And what was very unique to one ethnicity, the Jewish people, all of a sudden took in this this wide range of people, and, and Jesus proclaimed God's love to everyone. No one excluded from that. And that's why we call it good news, right? 
no matter where you've been or what you've been up to or where you're from, or it doesn't matter in the kingdom of God. All of us are welcomed as sons and daughters of God. And that should make us smile. I know some of you don't want to smile today, but you should smile a little bit because it's all about good news, right? It's all about the love that God has. And, and God calls the church not just to be a fellowship of difference from many different backgrounds, but he calls us to make a difference in the world. And that's why I wanted to get our, our minds thinking on that question. Like, what would we choose? If we could choose to do something, what would we choose to do? And Maggie, who is one of our, our worship leaders this morning, was on this side, and she said, I'm choosing all of them. And I said, you can't choose all of them. That's not on the, that's not on the, the, the sheet. And she said, well, I'm not going to choose one. I'm a, I'm, it's just all of them. I'm, I'm taking all of them. And I said, well, if you don't choose one, you don't get any. <laughs> and she said, that's a little rough. Like, you got to choose one. And so I saw, as you were s sitting down, I saw some of you saying one. I saw a three. Two, I saw two, and I think I saw a couple fours in the room as well. And it's interesting, you think about these things and you think, do I really have to choose because all of these things in our world are needed? Across the globe, these are, these are the kind of things that are needed. Now listen, God called the church to be a people who saw needs and responded out of love to meet the needs that were all around them. And that's what I want to talk about and dig into a little bit. So just a little uh, catch up. Um, we were talking about this as the Fellowship of Difference, and, and we talked about a couple Greek words. Do you remember the Greek words? Anybody remember the Greek words? This is like when I was in college and the professor would ask the question, does anybody remember what we talked about yesterday? It was like yesterday, less than 24 hours ago, and like dead silence in the room. And I'm sure the professor was like, are you kidding me? Like, what do you kids do all the time? Okay, I don't really feel like that. But some of it, I saw, I heard someone say ecclesia. Very good. Ecclesia was one of them. That was one of the words. Oh, and somebody has the other one. Well done. Awesome. So we're learning some Greek. Ecclesia. Uh, which was, was originally this concept of a gathering or an assembly or a movement of people. That's my favorite way to describe it. It's a movement of people. I think that's what, what God had in mind. I think that's what Christ initially wanted was this ecclesia, this movement of people. And if you remember, the, um, the, the German translation moved to the word kirche, I don't think I'm saying it right, but just imagine that I am. And you can hear in that kirche, the word church. So the word that we have church uh, was, for, for the German people, it meant like a spot, a place where religious stuff happened. Now, do you see how there's a huge gap between a movement of people or an assembly or a community of people and a place to gather to do religious stuff? You see the difference there? And the church began to shift our idea of what we were to be, and it became a building. So are you going to church? Are you going to a building to, to, to have worship? And that's important to gather for worship, but it wasn't the intent of what the church was. And then last week, uh, someone said it, uh, alelon, that Greek, uh, Greek word meant one another. And that the concept was our faith was always intended to, to be lived out among one another, with one another, love one another. Jesus said, uh, encourage one another, strengthen one another, build one another up, uh, carry one another's burdens. I mean, uh, over 50 times in the New Testament, the faith is to be this one another thing that we're living out. And for, for many of us, we grew up thinking pay, uh, faith was just a personal thing. 
Like my faith is my thing. And I think it was intended to be a, a public thing, to be lived out with one another. Are you, are you still with me? Okay, I got a couple of you. So here's the statement we made, and we got you on, on, on camera saying this just because we wanted to make sure we had it documented. Here was the statement that we started with a couple weeks ago. I don't just go to church. I am the church. If I'm a believer, if, I, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I am the church. It's not I'm going to church on Sunday or I'm going to go to the church. I, I am the church. Now, here's the challenge with that. And this is where I get really passionate because I need to learn to do this better and we need to learn to do this better. I don't need to ask, how is the church gonna respond to something in the world? I need to respond realizing that how I respond is how the church responds because I am the church. Are you with me? I know that was really confusing. And I don't need to, to ask um, how the church is gonna love other people I need to choose to love other people in practical ways and realize that I am the church loving people when I love other people. And if I am full of hate and vitriol towards other people, that means the church is full of hate and vitriol to other people. Now I'm smiling, but that's not a smiley thing, is it? I didn't get any amens on that one. Now, um, I want to say a couple dangerous things for a second, and then I'll get back to the, the sermon. I, like this week was one of the weeks that I found myself most discouraged for the church. And the reason I found myself overwhelmed with discouragement this week is because I see people on both sides who claim to be followers of Jesus spewing hate towards one another and dehumanizing one another in the name of love. And listen, we're going to have some different views. We're going to have some different perspectives. We're going to vote for different people. And listen, if we don't love one another, we are missing the core command and mark of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And listen, I know that we feel strongly about our viewpoints. And I know we feel strongly about who we want to vote for, but if we don't communicate and act out of love in a loving ma manner, we are missing the point of Jesus who said, I'm not telling you to love the people who love you. That's easy. I'm telling you to love your enemies and the people who see things very different. You love them and that's what it means to follow me. Jesus was the one who was nailed on a cross and from that cross said, Father, forgive the people who are nailing me here for they just don't know what they're doing. He was asking his father to forgive the very ones who would take his life and his breath from him. And we can't get along because we don't agree that somebody's gonna vote for someone different than us. Church, what are we doing? And I'm not just talking about us as a church. I mean, it's all over the place. We are in such a divided world. And that's why I was filled with some discouragement and like this, oh. And then I remembered that we've got the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit who had the power to raise Jesus from the dead was able to raise Jesus from the dead, he can bring some life out of the death that we've spewed out ourselves. Can I get an amen from somebody in the room? And, and we've got to give in the next, and especially in the next couple months, we have got to give the Holy Spirit room within us to do something we cannot do on our own. And there is hope.
Don't lose hope. There is hope because the God of the universe who breathed life into some dirt that he formed on the ground and brought life about from nothing can do the same thing today with us. And the ways that we are speaking to one another, we're the church. We represent Jesus himself. A uh, couple thoughts, and then I'll go to the sermon. It is, it is possible to be right and also horribly wrong at the same time. Did you know that? It's, it's possible to be right and horribly wrong at the same time. And how we say something is often just as important as what we say, how we say it. Are we more interested in being right or are we more interested in being loving? And I sure hope we are sold out to being marked by love. And not just loving the people who love us, who look like us, who vote like us, who, I mean, whatever. And when I say that, some of you have these like assumptions like vote like us because we all vote the same. We don't. This room is divided in who you're going to vote for. And I love that. We have different perspectives. And you're like, did he just really say that? I did say that. I love the diversity that we represent because we're not all going to see this, 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 the, the issues the same exact way. So let's give some grace. Let's be people marked with love. So Jesus changed the world. Now I'm getting into the sermon. So Jesus changed the world, not because of the statements that he made, but because of the love he expressed, the love that he demonstrated. And I, there's this, one of my favorite passages and one of the most challenging passages in scripture is near the end of Jesus's life. And they're asking him, hey, what's, gonna, what's, what's it gonna look like on judgment day? Like when we get to the end, what's it gonna look like? Now this is super important, right? Like at the end, when we're standing to take the final test, what's gonna be on the test? Now, I know you all don't like to act like you did this, but this is what you did in high school. Um, math teacher, is that gonna be on the test? And if the answer was no, I don't need to write it down. It doesn't matter. Is it gonna be on the test? So Jesus says, this is what's on the test. We should know what's on the test. Here it is. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you called for me. I was in prison and you visited me. There it is. And my father will say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's it. And we'll say, Jesus, I never saw you. Jesus, I never saw you in that place. Hungry or sick or any of those things. I never saw you there. And Jesus said, whenever you saw one of the least of these, and he was pointing to all of them, whenever you saw one of these in that place, that was me. So whatever you did to the people around you who were hungry and thirsty and the strangers that you didn't know and how you treated them and those who didn't have clothes and those who were sick and didn't know what to do with it. And I think that sick is all encompassing, not just those with a cold or COVID or like those who have a sickness, those who um, have, have been overcome by something. Like Jesus says, what you do with, with them is what you do with me. That's, that's what you're doing to me. Those who are in prison, like how you treat anyone is how you treat me. Now, isn't that a dangerous verse? Like, isn't that a, an incredibly difficult passage to wrestle with? Um, Jesus 
And the movement he started with a small group of people in an obscure little Middle Eastern town, the, the movement Jesus started has literally changed the world. I mean, it's changed the world. Uh, a Yale historian, uh, Yaroslav Pelikan, he says this, regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about, about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the most dominant figure in history uh, for, for the Western culture for 20 centuries. Like regardless of what you believe about him, he has changed the world in an incredibly powerful way, not just because he stood up and, and made some statements that sounded good so that people could retweet him. Twitter back in those days looked a little different, but not just so they could put bumper stickers on their car. Like Jesus sparked a movement that caused people to do something about their faith and it literally changed the world. Now let me give you some ideas of, of how the world has changed because of Jesus' followers. In, in the first century, especially in the Roman world, if someone was sick with uh, a disease that they didn't know what it was, they would send those people to the outskirts of the city, outside of the city, to die alone. If you had leprosy, you didn't come to the city, you couldn't interact, you had to wear like a bell around your neck so that people knew that you were coming, telling people, I'm a leper, I'm a leper, I have something, I have something. You, you, you had to declare that you were sick so that no one would come into any distance with you. Are you with me? It was Jesus' people who said that is unacceptable and we need to create some sort of a place where people who are sick can come and be cared for. And you know what the name for that is? Hospitals. Has anyone seen a hospital lately? No? Did anybody drive down Shea today? There's nobody on it. It's awesome right now. I don't even complain anymore. It's incredible. Hospitals. Hospitals exist because Jesus' people did what Jesus called them to do. I mean, that's awesome, isn't it? Universities and uh, places where education happens began, check this, began because um, some Christians saw this trap of poverty where poverty would uh, caused children to have to go to work for six days a week instead of being educated. And so it was this cycle of poverty that people couldn't get out of. And it was Christians who said, hey, let's start some schools where we can educate kids on Sundays, which is called Sunday school. But Sunday school was never to be about a flannel graph where you hung up pictures of Jesus and did so. It was to educate children to read and write and do math so that they could overcome poverty in their life. Is that awesome? And schools and universities in our country, in the first 100 years, like 80% of schools were started by Christians because they believed everybody should have an education. Followers of Jesus trying to do what Jesus said. Like, not just sitting around making statements. Okay, one more, I'll, I'll give you. It's already on the Orphanages. Like, especially in the first century world, if a child was born and you didn't have any means to take care of them, you know what you did with that child? You just left them outside, or her outside. And if that looked bad on you, you would take them to the, the city dump and just leave the children laying on the city dump. Literally, that's what they did like babies just left at the city dump to be cast away. 
And it was Christians who said, no, no, Jesus said to take care of the marginalized. And so let's put some homes together where some kids could, you know, be pulled in and rescued so that they don't have to die. And orphanages began because Christians believed that every life was valuable, even those who weren't wanted. Now, isn't that good news? Let's change the world based on Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. The early church struggled with this. And so throughout the New Testament, if you read through the Testament, you'll run into things like this all the time. What matters is faith expressing itself in love. That's what matters. It's faith expressing itself in love. It's not just what you claim to be true, what you agree with in your mind. Faith isn't just about saying, I agree uh, with Jesus. I agree with him. Faith that you agree with eventually leads you to do something about it to live in a certain way. Man, I, I'm sorry I'm getting after it today a little bit. I feel like I'm a little too worked up. Maybe I had, I had two, cup of, two cups of coffee this morning. Maybe that's the problem. Or maybe it's just that Jesus is getting me going a little bit. The uh, cardboard still freaked me out a little bit on Sunday mornings. I'm like, why aren't you clapping? Oh, it's a cardboard, Never mind. What good is it if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Suppose you see someone who has no food or no clothing, and you say, hey, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. That's just rude, isn't it? But you don't give them anything, no food, no clothing. What good is that? Like, that's not faith. Say, I agree with Jesus, but I don't do anything to meet the needs of those that I run into each and every day. Faith always leads us to some sort of action. Our actions will always follow our beliefs. Listen, they always follow our beliefs. And beliefs just aren't what you think or what you say you believe. Be belief always works its way out into your life. You will do what you believe. It's just the reality of it. And if you want to know if you truly have faith in, in Jesus and you're sold out to King Jesus, then look at your life. And does anything in your life reflect that belief or is it just something that you say you believe? Like belief always follows action. It always follows action. Listen, this is true in every aspect of life, isn't it? If I'm an athlete and I believe what my coach tells me to be true, I'm gonna do what my coach tells me to do because I have faith that he knows or she knows better than I know what to do, right? In business, if I have a mentor and I have faith that this mentor has been through it before and I haven't and I need to learn from this person, if I have faith that my mentor knows more than me, then I'm actually gonna do something that they tell me to do because I believe it to be true. Are you with me? The same is true about faith. If we say we have faith, but we don't do anything that reflects Jesus to the world around us, do we really have faith? And that's a difficult question because faith always makes its way into our lives. Um, the Jesus movement, this ecclesia, it was always about sacrificial love in order to change the world for the good of God's kingdom, always bringing people in. I want to I show you a quick story um, of, of a guy that I have a great amount of respect uh, for. 
his name's Scott Harrison, and he began a, a, a ministry a few years ago. And then I'm going to bring Ryan uh, Chase and our missions pastor up, and we're going to talk about a couple new things that we want to get really focused on as a church in order to, to have, help our faith express itself in our city. And um, so Scott Harrison... Uh, he tells the story better than I will, but I'll just give you a heads up. He was a, he was a nightclub promoter and um, made a lot of money and got a lot of people uh, wasted. And that's where his life was headed, and his faith wouldn't allow it to continue. So this is a little bit of his, his story. The Lokai story really resonates with me because it is a story about contrast, um, about highs and lows and about these extremes. And I think I've been able to live out two extremes you know, over the last 20 years. On top of the world, uh, as the nightclub promoter with the beautiful girlfriend and the watch and the car, but really uh, was a low because I'd reached a place of moral and spiritual bankruptcy. Realized that if I continued down this path, if I just continued drinking and partying, and getting other people drunk for a living, the legacy I was leaving was just that. You know, my tombstone would read, here lies, you know, Scott Harrison, who got 10 million people wasted over the course of his life. And I just, I realized something needed to change very dramatically. Being able to start Charity Water 10 years ago and spend the next 10 years serving others um, has definitely been a high, but it doesn't make it easy. There are moments uh, of just incredible joy, you know, being in a community when clean water is struck for the first time, being in the middle of that celebration with hundreds and hundreds of people, uh, watching them get clean water, being uh, just a conduit to so much goodness and generosity um, is an amazing thing, but it's also difficult. There are people we are not helping. Um, we're able to help for successful about a million people this year alone, but there's 663 million people that need our help. I wanted to show you that video, not because of the, the water thing. I want to show you the video of what, his story, because of what happens when you realize God has given you gifts and connections and abilities and something that you can leverage for his good and what happens when something gets a hold of your heart. We're not going to support Charity Water, um, and I'm not asking for you to call them, because that's the easy way. The easy way is to go, oh my gosh, that's awesome. I'm going to write a check to Charity Water, which they need. They, they need people to do that. But I, I think what God wants us to do is to see needs ourselves and respond out of love in practical ways to meet the needs that are all around us. What God has done in his life is what God wants to do in your life. He wants to awaken us to the needs around us, and he wants to move us because of our faith in King Jesus to do something about it. Um, Ryan Chasen uh, has been around for a, a, how, how long now? Uh, almost years. two years. Yeah, two years. And he's trying to lead our efforts uh, along with a, a great volunteer team from here to, to help us hone in on what are the things that we are going to do as a church that represents our faith and what are some things that we can do. Now, the question of the day is this, um, how is our faith being in, expressed in our lives? That's what I want you to wrestle with. That's what I want you to chew on this week. That's what I want to chew on this week. Like, how is my faith um, being known in the, in the ways that I live? And we want to move in a direction as a church to, to focus on just a few things, yeah. a couple of things, and do it extremely well. We don't want to do a hundred different things um, semi-well, right? We want to do a couple things really well and make an impact, make a difference in just uh, a, a couple of different things. Um, 
you've been helping us kind of mm-hmm. to hone hone this in, and we've we've landed uh, on a challenge yeah. that we're going to talk about, yeah. and we're going to throw this out to you: a challenge. Are you up for a challenge? Okay, so we got 10 of you up for a challenge. Thank you, guys. <laughs> and um, we hope the rest of you will come along at some point. And this is a long-term thing. It's not a this-week kind of a thing. It's right. a long-term thing. So the challenge, what's yeah, the challenge? The, the challenge is to get uh, 100% of our church. People who call this home. Right. Um, to serve outside of the walls of this building twice a year. Seriously? That's it. That's a lot. No, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you understand. Like, we're asking you to serve outside, like, two times. Like, we're talking about maybe two hours each time. That's four hours in your year that we're asking you to, like, don't cheer. Like, that's a lot that we're asking. Right. That's it. Yeah, big challenge. Now, have we done this in the past? Has, have, have we met that goal in the past? No. Mm. That's kind of sad, huh? Okay, I'm not shaming you. I promise. I I struggle with this too, because when opportunities come up, it's like, oh, I want to do that, but there's a little FOMO. Like if I commit to that, then I'm going to miss out on something that's better. And I don't want to miss out on something that's better. So I'm not going to commit to that. So we're going to do a couple things. We're going to give you plenty of heads up on this. Yeah. Uh, Twice a year. Twice a year. What are we doing? We're doing something that we're going to have an official name for at some point. But right now we're landing on like a serve week or a serve weekend that happens one in the fall and then one in the spring, like to close out both of those semesters. Super creative in the name. Yeah, serve. Serve week. Or weekend. That's it. It just kind of depends on the week. And so we're going to create a ton of opportunities twice a year. They give us the opportunity to serve outside of the walls. Now, right. some of you will say, well, I'm on vacation that week or both of those weeks. Right. But we're going to create some other opportunities that right. you can do that are not in those weeks. Right. We're not going to have such creative names. But for two weeks a year, serve week that has tons of opportunities yeah. that you can get in. And we're going to ask all of our small groups yep. to be a part of those as well. They may come up with their own thing to do, or they may be a part of the serve thing that we create. So yeah. that's the, that's the big challenge, um, that, that we want to, we want to create. So serve yeah. day, serve week. The first one is going to be, uh, November, the week of November 9th through the 15th. That'll be a week, obviously. Um, and so that week we'll do a random thing or different things every single day. And then on that Saturday will be a big serve day event that we'll have now, listen, options. We're going to, we're going to measure this. This is a measurable goal. And yeah. any of you in business who've created businesses, I see some of you around the room, you know that you don't just need goals that are unmeasurable. You've got to have measurable goals, right? If you just have like these ideas that are out there, but you never measure them, they're not very helpful. We're going to have measurable goals. We're asking a hundred percent of our people to serve twice a year in two different expressions. Now, again, that can be on your own or it can be a part of serve week. We're going to create some of the structure, hopefully to, to, to make that happen. Now to, to, um, to kind of hone in on something we felt called to yeah. uh, in our city. Like what, what's the one thing in our city that we think we can help with that we're going to kind of take a little bit more of a, a, a targeted approach to? Yeah, specifically, uh, we have taken some steps towards um, the, the foster system. And that's going to be a huge focus for us moving forward. Yeah. Um, we, we've done some research and over like recently we have heard some numbers that there are somewhere around uh, one th- or 
13,000 children in the foster system just in Arizona alone. Uh, and so to be able to step into some of that and uh, breathe some hope into a pretty hopeless situation is exciting. Now, there is something called uh, foster homes within that system, the foster system yeah. in, in our state. So 13,000 kids that are in the system. How many are in the foster homes? Do we know? Yeah, right around 1,500. So 1,500 kids are in foster homes, which means they don't have a family that they're living with. They're actually living in a home with other foster kids, yeah. and they have like resident assistants who are coming in on occasion, um, kind of making sure they have all that they need in terms of food and that, and that sort of thing. So what we've begun to ask the question about, and this has really come about um, through John Kane, mm -hmm. who's in our church. John had a passion for kids who were kind of uh, left on the outside and marginalized. And so he went and he's a, he's actually a court, court appointed special, special agent, agent. <laughs> I don't know what it's called, something awesome. And so what he does is he, he advocates for foster care kids who have no one to, 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 to advocate for them. Yeah. And he's kind of helped us frame our thinking. What would it look like for McDowell, us as a church, to, in, in a sense, adopt a foster home, so a, a home with six to eight kids in it, and really invest uh, some of our time and energy? And then what if that began to expand? But let's start with one and see what we can do. Now, we have a side ministry that works with kids in our local schools right. called... Teach One to Lead One. Teach One to yeah. Lead One, which is a, um, it, it's a character... Yeah. Building, but it's built on what? Right. It, it's all built on biblical principles. And so as a mentor with Teach One to Lead One, you're walking through these biblical principles in a public school with kids and helping them to create, um, I don't know, character and yeah. stuff like that to help them further. So what would it look like if we took this character development that's built on the teachings of Jesus and put it into the foster care yeah. system to begin to invest in kids and specifically one foster home. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to do as a church. We're going to take one foster home to start with. We're going to invest and ask some of you to become mentors who go down and, and work with this program. You'll have to go through some training, background checks, all that, obviously. And then we're going to do some things like just meet their physical needs. Right. Uh, today, we've got something that you can do. Yeah. Like today, when you leave. Like, yeah, today, that? actually, there are in the lobby, there are 10 boxes, large, like moving boxes with a shopping list in it. Um, and so for 10 lucky people, families, um, you, you get to grab one of these big boxes on your way out and see the grocery list, fill up the box with the grocery list, and then deliver the box to the group home, um, which is really exciting to be able to um, take that next step into a drive person. And if you do take that box and you buy the groceries and take it to the group home, we want you to go knock on the door and go in and pray for each of the kids specifically. No. No. Just kidding. You, you, you Some of most you are likely like, won't your be eyes, lying. you should have seen it. I should like your eyes were like, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. all you have to do is drop it off at the door. It's right. like a knock and run kind of a thing. Yeah, so you, super easy. Yeah. Like you guys are so funny. Uh, your expressions when right. I said that, no, you just buy the goods, drop them off. We only right. have 10 of them. Just 10 boxes. That's all we have right, right now. Uh, but we're going to do this over time. Yeah. We want to see how uh, we respond today. Ultimately, it's not about just one big project. Ultimately, this is, this is the deal, um, the, the, the challenge extended. We want to learn to see and hear needs that are all around us. So by serving twice a year, it puts us in the place 
where we might be awakened to needs that are all around us, each of us individually, so that we might see and hear needs, be filled with the compassion that Jesus had for other people, and then do something out of the love, respond out of the love of God. Are you with me? So the idea of, of just doing something twice a year isn't about checking a box. Like, that's not the purpose, because we can do that. I mean, I, we could probably motivate 100% of us to serve twice a year and then check a little box. The goal for us is to begin to hear and see needs, to feel compassion for people, and then respond out of love. Are you with me? And that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, yeah. to live our faith in practical ways. Um, Ryan's going to be helping us with that. He's going to hang out in the lobby today if you have any questions about it. Um, that's, that's where we're going as a church. We're going we're gonna to focus on a couple of things and really zero in and move in that direction so that we might be people who don't just claim something about Jesus. We live because of what Jesus has done in our lives. Uh, we're going to sing this one last song. And it, I was here this morning as they were working through it. It's super powerful. I love this song. It's called So Will I. And it's the idea that... Um, that God loves, you know, the 8 billion people in the world. And because God does, I will. So will I. And just as God gave up his life, so will I. Like, I will give up my life. I will sacrifice in order to bring about God's love to the world around. So would you stand with me? And I'm going to say a prayer. We're going to sing together. Uh, one thing I forgot to let you know about is we know many of you are missing the worship stations in the room. And so what we've done is we've created in the far end of the building, in the Student Life Auditorium, there are worship stations in there that you can, as you come in on Sunday mornings or as you leave on Sunday mornings, if that's something that you would like to kind of dig into, you can just make your way. And uh, there are candles there that represents the light of God. So maybe you wanna light a candle and ask his light to be in your life. There's communion set up there. There's a prayer wall. Um, so we just wanna give you some space to respond in that way. So Father God, we are so grateful for your love and your grace in our lives. And uh, God, we don't wanna just be a people who, who, who claim something to, that, to be true or something that we believe. We wanna be people who live it. So I pray that your spirit would fill us with hope and direction and encouragement to be a people marked by love for your kingdom. And God, just like Jesus taught us to pray, we pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus.